You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. We have a great show planned for you today. Why, you ask? Because Mark Tocanelli is our guest. And Mark and I are going to be talking about Magique, which is a company that he is on the board and was kind of a co-founder for. So, Mark, welcome to the program. Thank you, Rick. I'm glad to be here. And I've gotten very used to understanding your background and seeing all your videos recently. So it's interesting to go back in time and see how long you've been doing this. (laughs) Yes, we've been on here since 2009 in one form or another, Mark. So let's, let's look back for you, seven plus years, and talk about the motivation for Magic and where that came from and how that got started. Sure. <clears throat> so there's a couple of motivations. Uh, one, my wife was actually getting to a point where the kids were getting a little bit older and she was looking for some income to go back into the workforce. So that was one motivation. The other motivation was is there was a new burgeoning concept called Amazon at that time. It was really kind of in the infant stage where people were just kind of taking notice that you could actually put products on it. My background is technology. So my interest was then all of a sudden peaked that, okay, well, maybe I could, there's some other play here that we can do for a market that uh, we wanted to bring a couple new innovative products to the market. So that's kind of how it all started. Um, one is my wife needing some new revenue and new income after raising the kids. And then the secondary one was is this new thing called Amazon that nobody had kind of heard of at that point. Well, obviously, you found a model that is successful, then you've been able to scale because, like I said, you've been in business for seven years. But I'm wondering, Mark, how long after you two kind of launched it, got the product set, uh, got on Amazon, did you feel like we have a a company here that we can scale and grow? Well, that's a great question. The, The scaling part happened nearly immediately. Um, that was, that was the easy part because we maybe tripped over some luck in that just being kind of a first mover advantage of being on Amazon. We didn't really have a lot of competitors. Uh, when I say there wasn't a lot of competitors, there was not the vast level of competition with each category that we had. So there were still some cherry picking things that we could do. So we learned early on that it scaled pretty quickly with one product. That was where we were kind of a little bit lucky. Now we did trip over ourselves moving on. Uh, over the next kind of three years is we didn't really kind of understand the luck that we had had initially. Um, and that's kind of where we made some missteps. But initially, we knew immediately that this product could scale, this business model could scale. And then from after probably the first two products, we had to really then take a step back and say, OK, what are we building? Are we building a products company? Are we building a brand? Um, and then how could we turn that product company into a brand and then make it into a thriving business? So the thriving business part came about probably about three to five years later. Uh, we made some mistakes, I would say, in choosing our products. And that was kind of the wake up call that, oh, you can't just throw anything on Amazon and it's going to be a <laughs> success. Right. So yeah. that was kind of the, the market telling you the reality and the oh, business is that easy. So that that's kind of how things started. So kind of a detoured question. Uh, what's it like to be in business with your wife? Well, sometimes it's a challenge. Um, we agree and sometimes and disagree strongly on other things. I think in now we've really figured out what our kind of strengths are 
and we stay on those strengths. If we get too far out of the strengths areas, then we do collapse and collide. Mm -hmm. um, my strength tends to be more on the finance and technology side. Her strength, obviously, being since it's more kind of a beauty-based company, understanding the customer, understanding what women want, understanding what people that use these products do. Um, I come from it more from a very technical and financial aspect of everything. Um, so that's where we kind of clash on how do we make money from a great idea, right? So that's that's where things are good. If we both stay in our in our kind of core competencies, I think it's relatively easy. But when things don't kind of go away that you think they're going to go or the way that you want them to go, that's where the friction comes. But having said that, we've known each other for many, many years. We actually met in high school. So oh we've been 16 years old, I think, when we met. Technically, she was 17. So we can fight like cats and dogs, and we somehow find a way to lay our head down at the pedal at the end of the night. Uh, I have very few nights where I've had to uh, sleep on the couch, the proverbial couch. So <laughs> somehow we make it work. I don't Good. know. Well, that's the key to any great partnership, whether it's purely business or blends personal with business. So let's talk about Magic. What What is it that you offer? Like, what problem do you solve? Who do you sell it to? And why do clients and customers choose your brand? Yeah. So what we focused on recently, and really we've narrowed it down over the last five years, is really the nail care business. That's our niche. Um, so what we focus in on is really focusing on, on women specifically, um, or people that are interested in nail design or nail care, um, anything to do with their hands. That's pretty much where we focus now. Uh, what we found is that there is a market niche for essentially an upscale product. So what we've tried to do is really build a brand around high quality um, and, and a brand that actually represents um, a US-based company, right? So that's kind of where we have really focused our niche. We have a lot of competitors that are foreign, obviously, uh, being in that nail care business. And we've really kind of set ourselves apart, really focusing on high quality, high quality ingredients and a real deep understanding of what customers want um, and solving those problems in those specific markets. So that, that's kind of how we differentiated ourselves. We've had a lot of people copy us as a result of our success. Mm. Um, and that's where we're trying to now be a little bit more innovative and in finding out how do we can keep people out of entering our markets. Because what we found is um, customers, or I should say other competitors, will follow us within a year, a year and a half. And then, then it's just a race to the bottom, right? So it's price. Um, so we're now looking for ways that not only do we bring a product to market, but how do we protect that IP or that little slice of your niche um, without getting clobbered with the follow-on people that are sure to come now. Yeah, that's the other side of success uh, is notoriety. And then the copycats come out because you've yep. proven there's an opportunity there. And that that must, I, I imagine that's your wife's side of the business relative to defining what the next great innovation will be in nail care, et cetera. So, but that must be a daunting challenge for her because you really can't rest on your laurels, it sounds like, for very long, Mark. Yeah, no. Well, and now now that the Amazon market has really matured, it's obviously not a well-known secret anymore. The, um, really categorizing which markets that we want to enter and what products that we bring to the market, all that is kind of figured out up front, right? So how do we protect it from the beginning? As opposed mm -hmm. to when we first started it, it was really much get it out there, see if it will work. If it won't work, if it fails, and then we move on. But now we understand that, that that those those kind of days where you just throw something up there and hopefully they will succeed are kind of gone. Um, so now it's pretty a lot more calculated and a lot more pragmatic on, OK, if we get a product that is successful, 
how do we make sure it can't be easily copied or if it can be easily copied how do we make it to where it's differentiated enough to the where it can't be exactly the same thing mm -hmm. so that's that's kind of been our mission now which you know when we first started we brought on a lot of products real quickly um, some of it was good some of it was bad it failed fast and we just moved on um, and then now that we have our kind of products that are kind of stabilizing and working now the next generation products are kind of like how do we make sure that we can differentiate and protect the protect the brand to make it worthwhile so i'd like to maybe ask a little bit about using amazon as a sales platform so first question is are you on other platforms beyond amazon at this point so <clears throat> we are on other platforms we are on an ebay we do have our shopify site um, we did did tinker with uh, Walmart, um, and we have tinkered with other platforms as well. Um, but really, it's about how do we make it cost effective, um, and that's really the challenge. Is each one of these platforms has their own kind of market that's developing, um, and each one of them have their own revenue to drive people to that and optimization. So we're a relatively small company, so a large percent of our business is on the Amazon platform. But we are looking at other platforms, um, like I said. We've been on Walmart before, and then we had to take ourselves off Walmart. Um, so now we're being more selective with the with the uh, programs, and also we're also partnering with other people. So there are other people that have niches in, say, Walmart or say Amazon Canada or different platforms. Um, we actually have been contacted, and and sometimes it's better for us to just sell it or in a in a resale fashion. And then allow those other partners to actually take them to those markets. Mm -hmm. So we've we've done we focused on our core markets that we're doing well, um, and some that might be upcoming. Um, and but we're choosing those carefully. So when you, I'd like to learn actually, Mark. So I just got a question: when you're selling through a platform like Amazon or Walmart or whatever, eBay, at how how do you build the relationship with the end user when you have the platform between you and the client? <clears throat> That's a great question. So what we've tried to do is really put all of our IP and all of our benefits onto our personal website. Um, so what we've used is our third party platforms being Amazon, Walmart, those types of things um, is really to drive people back to our website, not necessarily for sales, but for follow on information. Um, so we have handbooks or we have, um, you know, do uh, uh, tutorials or any of those types of things. We tend to put that in our marketing or our packages. So when the packages are opened, you have inf more information at your hands to where that you can get more information, right? Um, what we're finding is that more and more of the platforms themselves, like say Amazon or eBay, they're trying to control the customer experience. So they're they're not allowing you to uh, essentially get behind the platform and know the customer too well. They want you to advertise, right? Spend money with us, sell through us so we can collect our fees. But we don't really want you to get to know our customers that well, right? So they're hiding more and more of the customer um, communications or possibility, um, hiding their emails, hiding their phone numbers, hiding everything. That's not how it began, but that's where it's kind of ending up now so that they, they're really obviously afraid of you driving them to a different channel, right? And they don't, right. Want, they don't want you to bypass their channel. So the only thing that we can really do at this point is to make sure that you have interesting content that would make you want to come to your another site um and that's kind of what we've been focusing on is making sure that content is in the packaging of some way shape or form right nice. and then once the packaging is there you get them onto your site you get them onto your you know youtube changes wherever it is then you have to make content that's interesting so that they want to come back and engage 
And that's really the only way that we've been able to kind of engage with the customers outside of the platform. So I'm a published author and I, one of the, <clears throat> one of the places that I sell my books is through Amazon. And so I, I have a small appreciation for the backside of Amazon, the, what it's like to be a supplier to or through Amazon versus a, you know, the customer experience is unbelievably excellent from a purchasing perspective. I'm Absolutely. just wondering over time, how has that back end relationship matured or changed in how you work with them? Because having the platform uh, from an author's perspective, Amazon considers it to be highly valuable. And from my perspective, they take a pretty big chunk of my uh, revenue for the privilege of having my book on their platform. Yeah, well, that's not going to change. I think it's going to get worse. Yes. Um, from my perspective, they're going to start probably, it's going to be a pay for play system that, and that's largely turning into a pay for play system. Um, we're already seeing it in the, and just kind of, like you said earlier, I stay engaged with lots of different communities. Um, and we know that if you're not paying for advertising, you're not getting certain search results. I think the days of organic, uh, finding people organically or just finding top selling products are probably coming to an end. You're going to have to pay for that privilege to get into the first page. Um, we're seeing it already. So if you're not an established product, it's becoming harder and harder. You'd become an established product. Uh, and it's harder to kind of keep you keep up at the top. Right. So right. Uh, the only way that you can do that now is through really paid, paid, pay to play is what I call it. You know, through paid advertising, different different types of paid schemes that they're going to give, whether it's video or anything like that. Everything's got some pay element. If you want you if you want to be shown somewhere on their site, you're going to be paying for it at some point. So organic search those days, I think, are fading fast. Right. And that's kind of the new paradigm, right, is. How do you pay Amazon enough or another third party channel? Because they're going to all copy it someday to right. get up in the search ranks. And how do you cover your costs? That's going to be that's going to be the hardest part of the whole equation. Right. right. And, you know, the, and it's making every single one of these platforms, whether it be Amazon, Walmart, eBay, they're making it easier and easier for anybody to get started. So mm -hmm. that's going to actually going to squish. Um, it's going to squish the, the most of the companies. Right. Um, yeah. It's going to be it's going to be a real challenge to see because. Um, I know we had a lot of copycats with our products, even uh, in so far as going uh, with our own suppliers. So I, I think I caught some of our own suppliers selling against us. So you buy your own products, you pay for however many units you pay, and they keep you know a thousand behind, and then they sell it against you. And they, <laughs> and they got nothing. They got zero investment, and they can offer it as cheap as it can. And right. they know how to game the system to be on and off the platform. I've had lots of different ways to prove that that was happening, and Amazon doesn't really even care or, or any of the other markets. They don't really care. So it's kind of an interesting dichotomy. That, that's essentially it's going to be the big, big, bigger guys are going to be able to win. So that that's the challenge of not having your own control of your platform where your clients go to purchase you is you have a third party intermediary who has a very different model and, and goal. And so if you can't keep them on your own platform, where you control it, your own website, then you yeah. do run into these risks. But what I also know is nothing lasts forever. And so I'm not suggesting that Amazon is waning in any way, shape or form. Yeah. But uh, I do remember catalog sales when those were the innovations and people bought <laughs> that way. I mean, things happen. Are you seeing any green shoot technology opportunities that might allow for commerce to be done 
not having to be on what I consider to be, you know, the 800 pound gorillas that are currently in the marketplace. You know, it's where the eyeballs are. It's getting harder and harder to control the eyeballs. Um, there are other platforms. There are other technologies. We have a Shopify site, so we have invested in our Shopify site. Um, but, you know, there's so much investment and being able to compete, say, with Amazons and Walmarts next day um, or second day delivery. Um, it's just a new angle. Right. So every time we think, oh, OK, maybe we could go direct or maybe we could somehow get people to go direct. Um, it's becoming more difficult. Right. So Amazon is gated and other vendors are gating that the lowest cost or the lowest price can only be shown on their uh, system. And mm -hmm. once you become successful, they enforce that automatically. So they'll look at your website, they'll look through eBay, they'll look at many other vendors that are getting any mass traction. And if you show a cheaper price or a lower price, they, they'll turn you off automatically. So it's getting very, very difficult to be able to be isolated and drive people to your own website because any of the things that you would normally do to drive your website would be like a lower price. I mean, anything like that, right? Yeah. You, you got to pay somebody to get them there where all the eyeballs. So then you're either advertising on, say, Facebook or Meta, whatever you want to call it, you know, or out and advertising anywhere else to drive them to a new shopping site. But, you know, what's the incentive for them to go through you if you can't get it to them next day? I mean, it's it's becoming very, very difficult to compete against Amazon in any way, shape or form. Yeah, they've created quite a moat with their infrastructure, IT and delivery systems that you're right. It's hard to people have become conditioned to expect a certain level of performance from yep. online purchasing experiences that require significant back office. Well, you know better than I do, but require major investments to be able to handle that even at a smaller scale. Yeah, exactly. So unless you have something really, really unique that can't be found, which there are very few things <laughs> that I could right. think of. Right. I mean, I mean, they, they kind of have a locked up market. It's very <laughs> difficult after, especially after the last three years with, um, you know, with COVID. I mean, people just have an expectation is going to be there the next day or, or something. And now with Amazon Prime, I mean, we can't, we can't even get it there the next day on say, we're a small company. Mm -hmm. So let's say we wanted to get the product to New York. We're in California. We can't get it there next day, period. Right. We don't we don't have the infrastructure and we can't pay the scale to move our products to a bunch of third party companies that warehouse it for you all over the United States um, and and put that into the cost of the product. It's just it's just cost prohibitive. So mm -hmm. at some point, you know, there's going to be niche markets on different parts of the company or or, or you're going to somehow increase that cost in the third party infrastructure somewhere else. And you're going to have to raise the price. So then it's going to be you know, uh, nationalized, depending on where you are in the nation on how fast you can get it. Right? right. So it's, it's, it's an economies of scale, which is why we're really trying to focus on boutique products that are hard to find, yes. not necessarily mass scale products that you can find anywhere. There's no differentiation in mass scale products. So that's what we've tried to do is find some niche products that work well, are hard to copy. Um, and, and we can charge a little bit of a premium, not, we can't be out of the market realm. But right. there'll be a, a slight price premium that people will want to work with you because you're a U.S. company or you have some stake in the United States or, you know, some of these maybe softer things that people are becoming more finding more important now. Right. Yes, and, there is. There is that trend, which was also a covid inspired trend, which right. is people are paying more attention to the supply chain 
and where products are coming from now than I think three years ago, which could be a trend that you could ride for a while. Well, that is in the zeitgeist of the consciousness of the consumer. But what, what, Mark, what, what do you and your wife see as the future? What's the vision for kind of have you back on the show and handful of years, what's going to be different? Yeah. So I think for us, the things are going to be really to really niche down. So it's taken us a while to get to really our nail care mindset. Um, we were all over the board when we first started, as, a, as I said, beginning, it was kind of more greenfield. It was like, oh, just get a product that sells, right? And you throw it out in the market and it does well from a scalability perspective. Now we have to be a lot more tactical. So I think our tactical is going to be really about niching into our brand, um, niching into the focus of nail care and really focusing on all those things that make a great, a great uh, manicure, pedicure, all things that are around the hands and making women feel good about their hands and it, uh, really focusing on that beauty element. So the things what we're looking at are really going to be about that. Um, it is a difficult market because there's a ton of, you know, overseas type of vendors and a lot of the vendors so that they make it really hard for the price uh, price points. And I know obviously all customers are price conscious these days. So those that's going to be the challenge is, is how do we make that that leap? Um, but that's that's what we're trying to do is really focus in on the research, um, really focusing in on, you know, making a first movers advantage. And we do a lot of work with local, um, you know, uh, people that are focused in that industry, not to give away all of our secrets, sure. to, is to really focus in on what are the trends. Um, but not only the just trends, because we want to stay away from trends is we want to we want to look for kind of macro changes in the market and try to have products that are you know following that trend. Then we get an established product, then we can get a market niche. Um, I think some of our secret is being kind of first mover advantage and then having a great product that, that keeps people you know, at a competitive price that just keeps people coming back. So right. if we can do that is find a great product that might not be necessarily purely unique, but has a little bit different of a spin that will keep people loyal. That's That's kind of where our niche, that's kind of what we're trying to do now is find something that's horizontally interesting but is unique to our brand. So for those of you that aren't quite entrepreneurs yet, I think Mark in the last 20 some minutes of this conversation has helped you to understand the challenges and the opportunities and the demands that are placed on people when you start a business. It's I'm always impressed with entrepreneurs who are able to create a brand and a company from nothing as you and your wife have done. So I, Congratulations on that. If someone in our audience would like to learn more about your products, where would you direct them to go, Mark? Sure. Yeah, you can come to our website. Um, our website is Magique Style. So it's M-A-G-Q-U-E-S-T-Y-L-E.com. So Magique Style uh, .com. They can come there. They can fill out a, you know, get in contact with us. That would probably be the easiest. So that comes directly to me and my wife. Um, you could also shoot us an email at our support site. So that's uh, it's the support at LLC.com. That's M-A-G-I-Q-U-E-L-L-C.com. Um, and we're always answering questions, giving tips and tricks to different people. So we'd be happy to, to uh, if you contacted us, if you had any questions or any comments, we, we love helping other entrepreneurs. I've been contacted too. So always, always good to to be surrounded with what people are doing. So happy to be contacted. Well, thank you for your time. I've enjoyed the conversation and I appreciate the candor and the uh, insight and advice that you provided here today on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for looking us up. And uh, I look forward to seeing our next five years and what we might have be achieved with our next one.
I wish you the best of luck. And to the audience, I want to thank you for being a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show. Mark's episode was episode number 1,399 in our catalog. If you're an Orange County entrepreneur, you have a story to tell, you'd like to share it here on our platform, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Rick Franzi or visit our website. Same thing, rickfranzi.com. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions will move your business in a positive direction. Thank you.